Tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. And I'm Mel. All right, so today is a Sunday. We always record on Sundays. So how has your weekend been? Well, yesterday we started our weekend with a like eight-hour mini retreat, I guess. It's the first time that the three of us have sat down and done a retreat where it was not focused on recording content, but more about long-term vision goals mm-hmm. for, um, for ABG. So that was fun. That was fun. It was, it was nice. We were at Mel's Airbnb. Just kidding. Her place. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like we went to an Airbnb. It was very nicely decorated. Yeah. Good job, Mel. Thanks, TJ Maxx. And thanks, you ladies. <laughs> and right now, my uh, my living room is decorated with a bunch of our big post-it notes on the wall. Oh, you still yeah. have them up? Still have them up. It's a, a wonderful frame. A painting. <laughs> yeah, we ordered all these um, like giant post-it branded like big Sticky poster sticky thingies yeah. from Amazon along with some colored Sharpies and Helen's like super organized OCD part came out where she's like, I need to color coordinate <laughs> the color I, to represent. I was so mad that we couldn't erase it. <laughs> oh, so backwards. She was constantly tapping. She's like, how do I add more space? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Insert row, please. But we, it was good. We talked about like our values, our mission statement. We talked about our budget, what we want to achieve in the future. We talked about expanding our team. Mm-hmm. We literally laid out the rest of 2020. So oh, yeah. we have yeah. kind of like a count. to-do list. Yeah. Yeah, we went like month by month and tried to think through not only when certain things would happen, but then backtracking when we would have to start preparing and researching and organizing and doing things. So it's the first time we looked at like a full year. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy because I remember we were looking at February and March and it already felt really full. And we're like, let's leave September and the other few months empty because we know it's gonna something's gonna happen where yeah, yeah. it's gonna be filled up again. So we're gonna have a busy year ahead of us. Yeah, but it's like it's, it's exciting to just see everything laid out, and it's mm-hmm. like it, if we can accomplish all of this stuff, like that'll be a good year. I'm super excited, and I think usually it's like we always meet and we're in front of our laptops, and there's something about doing things digitally where you're not able to share the screen with each other mm. but then versus kind of getting very like what would you call it not what's not digital or getting analog? very analog yeah. Yeah. getting very with physical like- <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> getting very analog with like markers and and paper and just like handwriting I do think that there's something nice about being able to see it on a wall together mm-hmm. and kind of talk through I agree I think afterwards do you guys both had like obligations I think Jan you had like a bachelorette no Engagement party. Yeah, I had an engagement gathering. So along with Helen, one of my very good friends getting engaged at the end of 2019, (laughs) um, another one of my really, really good friends from college got engaged as well. And she lives in Chicago now along with her fiance. So I hadn't seen her since her engagement a couple of months ago. Um, So she came to visit LA and I got to hang out with her and him and a couple of their close friends and family. It's that age, you know, like my mid-30s, like early Mm mid-30s where just all of these marriages are 
happening and then I have a baby shower to go do on in February oh my gosh oh man so yeah I don't know it was it was really really nice how about Miss Helen? How was your night? Um, my night was pretty good. I am sick again. I feel like every time we record, I'm sick. She's been sick through like half the season, guys. What the heck? Helen's yeah. body is like... <laughs> what happened, man? She's angry at me. I don't know. I feel like after I hit 32... Am I 32? Yes, I am. <laughs> it's like my body's been like deteriorating. It's kind of crazy. Um, but yesterday night was fun. I went to Daniel Day Kim's production company, 3AD. He had a Lunar New Year party. So that was like the first... Lunar Year party that I've had this year, and we'll be going home again for uh, next weekend to be celebrating Lunar New Year with my family. So I'm excited for that. And we got like these red envelopes and stuff too. It was it was nice, yeah, just seeing a bunch of people out. That's nice. I know. Yesterday, Helen was texting me at like I know she knew Janet was at the engagement party, and then Helen texted me. She's like, "Come out, hang out." And I was like, "Dude, it's 11 o'clock, and I just showered. I literally just showered, put on my Spider Man T-shirt, and like had my like." Dinner number two ready on my bed in my dinner tray watching Terrace House. I'm just like, uh, I'm okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like to be in bed before midnight now. Yeah, but you but still like- up, stayed up till 2 a.m. watching, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys watch it, but I'm obsessed with Terrace House. And my friends just sent me a link to watch the episodes after the episodes that are shown on Netflix. So I have the access uh, to what's going on in Japan right now. Oh, wow. So I'm, a, I'm ahead of the game. And when I watch, I just get really giddy and excited. I was telling Janet that I ended up staying up till 2 a.m. Because after watching three hours of Terrace House, I don't know how I ended up like going down this rabbit hole of Googling veneers. Like, oh, geez. what the heck? Okay. I don't know why. So I don't know. Like veneers seem interesting. What? <laughs> I don't know. I was watching all these videos. I, had, I was like, oh, so what is the process? She's like, well, let me tell you. you get, they put it. It's like it costs about this much per tooth. And then I was like, what's the removal? Like, if what if you change your mind? And she's like, it's kind of like plastic surgery where, yeah. like, I don't know if what, you can what reverse. What led you down this rabbit hole? What was, like, the first thing that you saw? I don't know. I don't know why I was thinking, ooh, teeth. I looked at Terrace House. Was, did someone, did one of the people have really, have good really teeth. nice teeth? And you were maybe like, oh, really like, fucked up teeth. <laughs> and you're like, ooh. You know what? Maybe I was on Instagram. I think I was on Instagram. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, that person has really nice teeth. And I thought about my own teeth. Mm. <laughs> so random. Because I chipped my tooth back in college oh, right, on a pull-up right. bar. And so the person, my dentist who did my, like, who fixed my cracked tooth, honestly didn't do a great job or sort of, it's okay. So I was like, I kind of want to get it redone again because mm. it's just like the color's off and all this stuff and like just looking into options. It's actually really expensive. Yeah, it's super expensive. And I kind of like, I'm just curious to see. So I was just like Googling. Isn't it, what they do is they have to like drill down all of your teeth into like nubs, right? And then put the veneer on top of it. The yeah. cap. But I was looking online. There's a way I think they don't have to do that. They just kind of like, kind of cap it over it. Mm. But yeah, each tooth is around like almost $1,200 a tooth. Holy. Wow. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, no, thank you. Maybe not. Wow. wow. Well, I guess if you are a, what would it be? An oral? A, co- a cosmetologist. A cosmetologist. Uh, no, Oral Dent- cosmetologist, dental cosmetologist, and you know how this process works. If you help educate us, yeah, right. And give Mel a tooth. <laughs> <laughs> write to us at asianbossgirl@gmail.com. <laughs> so I was like, I had a really random ass night at home. Aw. Well, speaking of kind of falling down the rabbit hole of random videos, so I've been oh God. off of work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I've had kind of a lot of time, and usually I started developing this habit over the last year of like 
looking up like random horoscope videos on YouTube. That sounds very fitting. <laughs> very Janet. But yes. then recently kind of going along this theme of like all these close people in my life like getting engaged and like building families and then I making a 2020 goal of really getting serious about like relationships. Mm-hmm. I fell down the hole of watching um, have you guys heard of Esther Perel? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's like a famed uh, actually like a sex psychologist I guess but she yeah. talks a lot about intimacy and relationships in mm-hmm. general and she's an amazing speaker and I just went down the rabbit hole and watched like 50 of her videos just like talking about everything from like really detailed like academic talks about like end of life and death and Mm -hmm. and love and intimacy and then also just like about modern day dating and like how do you know in swipe culture like when something is like how do you bring up that conversation you know Mm -hmm. so that was my recent like (laughs) what's her what's her back is she a therapist she specializes in couples therapy Mm. oh yeah and she actually has a new podcast out I think she might have multiple podcasts because I did listen to one where she actually sits down with um, people that work together. It was either her or some other psychologist mm-hmm. who they basically it's like they take their therapy sessions and they broadcast it for people to listen to because mm-hmm. they believe she believes oh, that like yeah, a yeah. lot of people can relate. Right. Like mm-hmm. you might not have like or just by listening to other people talk about the way that they feel you'll relate to that and then you can mm. kind of see how she might psychoanalyze them or like uh, suggest on how to solve the problem that is pretty interesting wait so what is the biggest takeaway that you learned after listening or watching all these videos oh my god my mind was blown so many times i don't <laughs> i want to hear I just, one thing i actually i tend to listen to these like it's a bad habit um not good sleep hygiene but i'll listen to it as i'm falling asleep so sometimes mm. like i don't quite remember everything that i'm hearing but you take away like little nuggets and it yeah i'm sure yeah. it like empowers you in a certain way yeah i, I felt the same way about uh Brene brown like mm. i've yeah. been watching a lot of her ted talks about the power of vulnerability and the difference between like guilt and shame and she she's incredible too she's another person where i'm like i can just binge watch all of her ted talks and all of her stuff she's very relatable too and i watch her um she has her talk on netflix oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and she's starting a podcast too oh she is yeah, yeah that's yeah. really exciting so i guess another thing that i've been kind of dealing with recently i think i might have a uti oh i don't know but actually i've like not gotten one in my recent memory for like at all and i know a lot of my girlfriends do like mel you said you well i usually like when i talk to my girlfriends my other girlfriends they usually get a uti after they had a new sex partner oh is that why Janet? i don't so i didn't have sex recently but we like fooled around so maybe some mm. other thing i don't know did he wash his hands <laughs> yeah also maybe it's a i don't know if it's a diet thing yeah i've heard i kind of googled it a little bit and they said sometimes it can be like diet stress or like other reasons mm-hmm. well, i don't know what symptoms are you yeah feeling? i have pills at home if you want some oh seriously okay i, I was gonna <laughs> i have to i literally have over-the-counter pills i'm also because i'm like in between i'm taking some time off and I'm, i haven't looked into health insurance yet so i was like okay i need to yeah, so, um, but symptoms, I would say it's, like, itchy. Yeah. Itchy. It doesn't, like, it just started burning on IP, but uh, Oh, okay. But not, like, super painfully. Well, actually, maybe my, my she, no, my pills are for yeast infection. Okay, <laughs> that is different. a different thing, too, That's yeah. Yeast infection versus UTI. Yeah. A UTI is a urinary tract infection. Yeah. I feel like, and actually, those are supposed to be really painful, so maybe yeah. I don't have a UTI. Maybe I have a yeast infection. Well, yeah, you should Google it or talk to your doctor. Yeah. But I do have over-the-counter pills because actually my other friend, she's like, I always get yeast infections. I'm like, mm. oh, she talked to her doctor. There's over-the-counter pills that yeah, we use. Yeah. And then I talked to my doctor and she, she prescribed these certain pills I used. Yeah. This other pill. But for if you have a UTI, because our roommate in college always got a UTI, you have to take cranberry pills or cranberry yeah, juice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. I, I don't I don't like the fact though, that it's like if this was due to a new sexual partner even if we didn't have sex I think it's just any type of activity happening yeah. down there right is there an equivalent for guys 
Um, like, how come it, women it, always? Yeah, there is. is. Men have, I'm actually looking it up because I have no idea what a UTI is or does or feels like, but men have it too. It's more common in women. Mm. And usually there's a strong, persistent urge to urinate, yep. a burning sensation when urinating, passing frequent small amounts of urine, mm. urine uh. that appears cloudy, urine that appears red, bright pink or cola colored, a sign of blood in the urine, a strong smelling urine, and pelvic pain. Do you have those, Janet? I don't have pelvic pain. But like everything else but I just I, said. <laughs> I mean, well, I have to pee frequently, mm. but I usually do anyway. So, but I'll, and also like there's no blood in my pee and it doesn't smell and it doesn't look cloudy, but okay. I don't Maybe know. Just I guess look- I will get back to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Stuff, so. Well, I will, I would just look into cranberry juice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not, a, we're not doctors, but this is like. Yeah. This is a thing that women home, talk about. Yeah. Home remedies. But I think it is important to talk about it because if you are dating and you are sexually active, it's normal for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's okay to like, so now I feel educated. I talked to Mel and, and she shared with me some symptoms and some potential treatment approaches. I will go to a doctor though. I'm going to go. And, yeah, you yeah. should. Yeah. Just, be, just to be safe. Yeah. I think I always go just to double check and she always does like this. Yeah, yeah. I think because I, I probably smear. need yeah. to go for my annual anyway, mm-hmm. so do that it's important to get your annual ladies so. oh dude i actually just got my physical and i haven't gotten a physical in probably over like two three years what is this hand motion sorry i'm doing there a, a there's a this fly in my face sorry <laughs> 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 i thought you like felt really passionate or intense about this but you're just like, using intense hand motion <laughs> no there's a fly near my face i'm spawning it away <laughs> but literally i this is so random but so i got my physical done and my doctor sent me the results Everything is fine. But then she, I was reading her, like, she said, we have her a, notes, the breakdown. Her notes. Yeah. And she said, you know, we checked, like, your diabetes or the blood levels. Yeah. And she's like, you're, you don't have diabetes, but you're at the, like, almost. Oh, pre-diabetic. Yeah. Oh, you're at, at the risk group. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't think that would be considered that. And so I was Googling it. And pretty much just, like, you have to make sure that your diet and you're, like, you're, you're exercising frequently. Mm. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't want to have diabetes. Yeah. Is that something that's genetically? I don't, it can be, yeah. I don't think people in my family have diabetes. So make sure you take care of your health and get checked up because yeah. I, I would have known, wouldn't yeah. have known if I hadn't gone to get a physical. Set those appointments if you can. Eat healthy. Make sure you get plenty of sleep, plenty of water. Um, I think we're all getting hit with things. I think this is why we also don't do video because we're like, <laughs> shit right now. <laughs> Seriously. But anyway, so for today's episode, we thought we'll continue on with part two of the Q&A. We dive into topics such as ABG, dating, college, and then today we'll hit careers and finances, style, and other random things. Yes. So if you haven't listened yet, the previous episode, episode 56, I believe it is, is our part one. So you can catch all those topics that Mel just listed off. And now we're going to dive into part two. Let's dive in. Starting with careers. The question is, Janet, this question is for you. How did you decide to weigh the pros and cons of making a career switch when you did? Question mark. Ooh, this is a very big question. So I guess she's trying to have me kind of talk through my thinking process for when I was making a career switch. Uh, I would say it's probably more of a journey. Like it starts with maybe recognizing that I'm not happy at the place that I am. And then thinking about why I'm not happy and identifying that there are parts of it that are not things that I could change, like not necessarily being able to adjust myself, but maybe just something about the nature of that type of work or that environment that doesn't fit for me. And then step two is then thinking about, okay, then what else do I want to do? A lot of it comes from like personal research, but also talking to friends that know me well and that work in different industries. And I think that's actually a really valuable thing. Some people can get really in their own heads and feel like stuck by trying to think like, oh, I don't know what else to do. Well, A, be proactive about researching. You have the internet. 
access to so much. LinkedIn, access to so much in terms of reading people's bios or reaching out. But then also you have access to your friends and your family who hopefully as much as you can reach out to people who work in different things and who know you so they can offer like tips and advice. So I think at the end of the day, it came down to not being happy with where I was and then finding other things that I felt like potentially I could be more happy. Next question is start interning next week. Any helpful advice? Sad face. You didn't include the sad face. Sad face. I would say that if you are interning to be very curious at your internship and ask a lot of questions, but don't be overbearing, but ask a lot of questions. And I think also when you're starting at a company and you're interning with a lot of other people, the interns tend to like hang out with each other. Mm. But I would say that the people who really do stand out are people who are like trying to hang out with, I don't know, maybe like the main analyst there or the senior there and trying to really just integrate themselves within the company so that it's clear that you kind of just like fit in with the team. Mm-hmm. That I've noticed as something for like good interning. Just asking a lot of questions. If you have downtime, ask people if you can help or if you can shadow them. And yeah, just try to integrate yourself into the company. I think for me, it's to come prepared on your first day. I don't know what industry you're in, but I think showing up the first day kind of like dress properly. I think sometimes people can think if it's a casual um, work setting, I would actually come more professional the first day just to be safe and kind of then gauge and vibe what the dress code is. Like first impressions. Exactly. And then also come prepare with like a journal, your laptop, pens. That way your employer knows that you're ready to take notes and ready Mm -hmm. to go. I think another thing Helen mentioned is, yeah, definitely ask questions. I, for me, the interns I worked with that I really loved was they're the ones that weren't afraid to double check that their work was correct and ask for clarifications because I know it's really like scary to ask um, because you don't want to put yourself out there. But I think for me as like a manager, I really appreciate when my interns asking me questions to make sure they know the right directions and show that they care enough to be proactive. I think for interning, the unique thing about an internship that's different from a job is it's an opportunity for you to try and test something with a finite period. I actually personally have had a lot of internships and had a lot of friends who had internship experiences where it actually helped them realize that that was not a thing they wanted to do. Mm. So I would say similar to interviews, like as much as you're trying to impress them, be receptive and observant of the situation. Do you feel like this is a job that you would want to do or a profession you'd want to do? I think it's it's a great opportunity to like, if you have the opportunity to intern, intern and to kind of really think about like, that would be your day-to-day if this was your job. Would mm-hmm. you be okay with that? Yeah, good point. And in line with internships, just how do you dress for an interview? Should I invest in a suit? Mm, probably depends on the industry. Yeah. I think probably for Janet and myself, our industry is a little bit more, I guess a little lax in terms of dress code. So what I usually wear to an interview is maybe just like slacks, a black, black slacks and like a really nice blouse or like a cute tank top and a blazer. For my interviews, nothing too fancy yeah. like a suit. Mm-hmm. I would, and also reiterate, so Mel works in new media and I work in technology and most of the industries of technology that I've worked in here in West LA have been a little bit more like new me- media as well. So it's more casual, but to her previous point, it's always better to show up overdressed than mm-hmm. underdressed. Yeah. yeah. So maybe don't go full suit unless, I mean, depending on the industry for us, it's a little bit more lax, but I would definitely go err on the side of a little bit more like business casual. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then for me, so for someone in finance, I would say that um, a suit is important, <laughs> unfortunately, but it does sort of like show that you are present and that you have invested in sort of just making sure that 
like you knowing that you're going into a world where a lot of people do wear suits, right? To show up in a suit is probably the right move to make. Or what I've done is also like a blazer and maybe a skirt that goes below the knee, like a mm-hmm. pencil skirt, but also not one that is like so tight that you could like see your underwear line. Yeah. Don't oh, do yeah. that. And I think also heels, as much as I want to say like, oh, you can wear flats. I do wear flats to like work every day, but it's like for your interview, when you're wearing heels, it's just more like put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just feels a little bit more put together. So I would invest in like a low, low heel um, or a high heel, not too high. Oh, there's so many specifics around what to wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a medium sized heel. Yeah. Like a chunky heel. And closed toe, closed toe uh, always. Mm. I don't know if this also adds to your question, but I would also make sure you bring a bag to have your portfolio or your resume in. So make sure you have mm-hmm. a bag big enough. For that as well. Yeah. If you have like a like a leather case portfolio or something like that, that always does look really More professional. professional. Yeah. Um, and if there's like a notepad in there too, so you can take take notes. Yeah. I think to your both your ladies' points, like the note taking is pretty important. It's like once you get on the job, it's important to show that you're listening. But even in the interview, because it kind of communicates that. Like I'm interviewing you just as much as you're interviewing me, right? You actually take notes in interviews? Sometimes, yeah. Really? To be like if I ask them a question and then I'm like oh. writing down, yeah. Or maybe I'm getting that mixed up with like other meetings that I have. But I, I feel think, like I'm interviewing. I think if I'm interviewing people, then I take notes. But if I'm going to an interview, I never bring a notepad. Oh, I always <laughs> bring a notepad. But oh, really? Like, whether I write in it, it might be. Yeah. yeah. Or I usually bring like a portfolio. So like a nice folder, essentially. Mm-hmm. And inside will be like my resume yeah. in case they didn't have a copy of my resume. Yeah. Then I would give it to them. And it also shows yeah. you're ready to. If you're there for like a super day or something, they give you a piece of paper that shows you like who you're interviewing mm-hmm. with and who you're meeting yeah. with. And always ask for like a business card too afterwards. So mm. you can keep that in your folder or yeah. your portfolio. Yeah, I think it's def- it does definitely differ from industry to mm. industry. I think maybe I'm thinking about other previous roles outside of technology where I was more diligent about the portfolio, asking for business cards and mm-hmm. taking notes. I could see depending on the culture, there's some places where I go if I brought a portfolio or if I took notes, it would be funky or weird or yeah. like business cards are not like everything's so digital that doesn't seem like, too, in like traditional. Too, yeah too traditional but I think it, it totally depends on your industry mm-hmm. and I would also say for interviews like I've been in a lot of rooms where we sort of just meet afterwards to talk about the candidates people who actually follow up through email to yep. say yes, thank you yeah, yeah, thank makes you a huge difference oh yeah that is like almost mandatory in a lot of people's books so yeah. make sure you follow up with a thank you and try to remember and that's why you also have a notepad try to write down like the things that you remember from what your interviewer told yes, you yeah. to add that to your email to add sort of it's that not personal. just like a blanketed template that yeah. is clearly being sent out to everyone yeah, personalize it. These are great tips, y'all. Yeah. So our next question, how do you deal with corporate men in high places but who are mean and selfish? Ooh, <laughs> this is a tough one, but I, I can think of like one person in my career that was fairly high up in his position that made literally everyone that he worked with cry, <gasps> including really? myself. Aww, um, dick. And he wasn't even like in our office, so we worked remotely with him, but he would put blame on everyone else under him so he was like a senior manager and he worked with a lot of analysts and senior analysts i remember just trying to do everything so perfectly and there would always be maybe like a small mistake maybe even in like my tone or like how i presented something like there would always be some mistake and i always felt like i wasn't doing enough and he would just focus on that one thing and sort of like break you apart for it and i remember it was hard for me to bring that up to 
someone else who was higher up because he was actually really good friends with everyone mm. else at that level. And so for me to complain about him, mm. I knew it would look bad on me because they would tell him and mm. then it'd just be a cycle of like, oh, Helen is complaining about you and like all this stuff. A lot of our projects are also annual. So it would be like, it would last for three months and then next year it would come back and it would be another three month project. So he would always, you know, message me and say, hey, this project is coming back. Can you work on it? And I would just make sure that I was busy that I couldn't oh. work on it. So essentially, I just avoided the person. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's, you know, for this person who's writing in it, if that is possible for mm-hmm. you to just avoid this person and work with other people that you want to work with. Yeah. But I would say that if I could go back, I would probably bring it up to maybe my counselor or someone who's sort of looking over me in my career to let them know how I feel so that they can help me not be on his projects in the future because they 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 should be your advocate and they should be there to to help you out with that stuff i think that is great advice actually for a setting like that where if you have the opportunity to avoid working with someone Mm -hmm. i actually think it's a good like know when you have good chemistry with someone and know when you don't and it's like being proactive about your career to like avoid those situations Mm -hmm. yeah and then having like um being open with your counselor because that is what they're there for right Right. and and not and i think it's very easy when we're younger in our career to have that fear because you don't want to like piss anyone off or or anything but it is important if you feel uncomfortable to like say something right and and, And at the end of the day just know that we're all human and you're not going to be you're not going to be like buddy buddy with every single person that you work Mm -hmm. with sometimes your energies don't vibe and that's completely okay so for you to just be more selective with who you feel comfortable with is actually going to help your mental health and your growth too because you're going to want to learn you're going to want to work harder for someone that you actually care about if i can think back to like similar setting working at like a big four company when i first started out there were some personalities and i think because that environment can be really stressful so sometimes it pushes people to act in ways that you know like i know you don't mean to be that way but you are kind of being a dick right now right Mm -hmm. and the way that i would kind of manage similar to kind of like trying to avoid working with them would almost make it so that they wouldn't want to work with me Mm. where if I was in a room and they were like losing their shit or like yelling or saying something I would just behave almost very the opposite like I just continue behaving the way that I would which is I'm going to be polite to you I'm going to say the right you know like whatever in a very measured tone so you can hear the difference in the quality of your voice and your behavior and mine in some ways people would say that comes off cold but then it's like you're probably naturally not going to want to select me on projects and I would be totally okay with that yeah that's a good point Hey ABGs and ABBs, when we started this podcast, it was purely a passion project and opportunity for us to create and share content. We never imagined this would evolve into a business. As an LLC, we now have to figure out invoicing, e-signing contracts, managing our expenses, and many other tasks. It's a challenge keeping up with all of these to-dos, but HoneyBook makes it easy for us to tackle the tedious admin work and direct our focus on the part of the business we love. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place, consolidating services like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit tryhoneybook.com abg. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to tryhoneybook.com slash ABG for 50% off your first year. That's tryhoneybook.com slash ABG. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swaddlers. With Pampers Swaddlers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. 
Swathers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do and it's the gift that always fits. All right, so our next topic is finance. It's for Helen. Can Helen do a cost-benefit explanation of how she decided to go carless? So I had a car in Los Angeles, and uh, a lot of people, when you move to Los Angeles, they will say that you need to have a car to get places because it is a very intense driving city because everything is so spread out. So I had a car that I really, really liked. It was a BMW convertible. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It's super nice, especially with the the weather here too. But I decided not to renew my lease because it's very expensive to have a car. You have the lease payments, you have insurance payments, you have parking, parking tickets. Which are inevitable in LA. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, living with my fiance now, he only had one parking spot. So I always had Uh. to move my car in the morning at like 8 a.m., go downstairs or go downstairs at like... Uh, midnight when the meters reset again to put money in so that I didn't have to wake up early in the morning but it was like inevitably I just got a lot of parking tickets but then there's also like maintenance and gas and I don't know my car's gotten broken into like twice and it's just a whole shit show but the cost benefit analysis what I did was I looked at my bank statements for the past like six months or so and extracted all of the different car payments that I had to make or anything related to my car sort of just added that up or looked at the average per month of what that amount was. And then looked at like, if I took a lift to a bunch of these different places, then is that actually a lot lower than obviously the cost of owning a car? And it turned out to be a lot less. So oh, wow. now I just take lifts everywhere. And I, if you have Chase Reserve, also this is not a plug. This is not an <laughs> ad for Chase Reserve. But you get Lift Pink, I think it's what it's called. And it's 15% off your lift now, and it's a lot cheaper. Like yesterday, we were going home, and my fiance's uh, lift was like $21, and mine was 12 for some reason. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's over, or it's about half. It's, yeah, not yeah. 15%, but it was like discounted, and then there was another yeah. discount on it. So that's been saving me a lot of money, and I would definitely recommend it. It's also better for the environment if you don't have a car. Yeah. I actually, I've heard more and more people in the last like two years going carless in LA. And I think, because to your point, like I think that actually economically it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look into it. I can't. Is it because you go outside of LA or like what is? I, well, I need to drive to work a lot. And I I do, I think it's for me, it's like I have to go on shoots sometimes. I need to carry things. In my previous jobs in production, like I'm the one holding a bunch of stuff. Mm. So So I'm like like, the storage space essentially. Yeah. So my car kind of doubles the storage space. Got it. Yeah. But I always push the E button for like to make it try to make try to save <laughs> the, the eco button. The eco button. button. <laughs> I try to I press the eco button. So I'm trying to do what I can. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, like when I lived in San Francisco, there was a period where when I first went up there, I had a car because I was living more in San Jose area and it's yeah. more in the suburbs. But then when I moved into the city, I ended up getting rid of my car because it becomes more of a hassle to oh, like yeah. find parking, and I was getting tickets all the time. But in LA, I think because I, I go to Orange County a lot, that mm, becomes true. a thing that's like harder for. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah. also depends on where you like where you live. Like you guys live in downtown, it's easy to kind of 
to get around because if yeah, we go out, it's in the same location. area. For me, it's like, no, I kind of live further out, so yeah. I have to drive. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I am lucky that my work is so close and I live in, live in downtown too. Okay. Next question here. What are your personal finance goals? House, early retirement, travel, et cetera. Ooh, Mel, you had some really great like personal finance like goals and questions that you had started kind of discussing at the end of 2019. Yeah, I think for me there's no there's not like a really hard goal I have for finance. It's more like I want to educate myself on finance. So for me that's contributing into my 401k and starting a retirement fund. So that's just one little step. Have you started that? Uh, not yet, but I'm actually being in touch with my coworker's financial planner to kind of talk about it. She's like it's a free consultation. I'm like, "Okay, well, might as well like um start the conversation." I've been also um talking to a bunch of coworkers, asking them, what do you, you do to like, you know, invest or index funds? Something I learned from Janet and someone else at my work. So yeah. just trying to educate myself when I can. Because then I, when I'm back at home, I talk to my mom about her retirement plan. I'm like, wow, you guys saved up a lot of money actually in the past few years. So I ideally want to get there also. But in terms of like, you know, owning a house, that's something that hasn't been in my mind until kind of recently. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, Maybe I should start thinking about if I want to start owning property. Because I think one thing, even though I want to put into my like retirement fund, I want to think about how, what are the best ways to invest my money. I don't know. Actually. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's really complicated. Like I kind of did an intro of education like in earlier through my 20s. And then now I feel like the more that I read, the more confused I get, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Because the, the property uh, position, my parents really pushed that. I think it's a pretty traditional Chinese mm, way of thinking yeah. like you should buy. But then I hear all, I like listen to these podcasts and these other like videos and articles and they're like, it's actually not necessarily. And it's so like in context to your situation. So I don't know. I'm in a little bit of a, of a confusing or a confused phase with finances right now but it is all additive knowledge and I think similar to Mel it's the desire to continue educating myself and to also dabble in another sectors like I have people in my life who are like really really into the stock market and I've learned like I'm just never going to be someone Mm -hmm. that is going to be that passionate about it and Mm -hmm. like because like I have friends that will make money off of day trading right because they love doing that I'm not that person and I usually feel like I make bad investment decisions. (laughs) But it's like if you are going to open a stock account, then I would take the more risk-averse approach of like index funds or Mm -hmm. kind of just developing what is my risk tolerance and financial perspective. Mm -hmm. A kind of fun pie-in-the-sky thing that I would focus on, I would love to retire early. Oh, yeah. But there's so many unknown factors, right? Like I don't have a family right now. I can't like – so projecting my costs and like my savings and all that is like really like obscure right now. But that would be – in in the absence of like any other people to consider in my life right now, a financial goal that I'd be focusing on right now is like, how can I figure out uh, a way to retire early? Ooh, what, what is early for you? Um, I think, so average age for right now in America is like 65, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it 67 or something like but, that? I don't, I think it probably depends on your industry and yeah. all that other stuff, yeah. And then, and I think they actually say for our generation, it's like, you'll be lucky if we retire about like 70-ish. <laughs> But then, but then I was like, if I could try to aim for like 50, when I was young, like a couple of years ago, I was like, it'd be awesome to retire by like 40, 45. And then when you run the numbers, you're like, that's not going to happen. (laughs) And even 50 is a hard reach, but pie in the sky goal. If I could just be like, I don't know, what if things happen would be amazing. Yeah. 50 would be awesome. That's good. That's good to have goals like that. Check in with me and I'll probably be still working when I'm 80. So, (laughs) (laughs) and still looking young and fabulous. Still Uh, looking 12. (laughs) I think for me, like this this year, I've been really like, okay, I really need to like figure out my because like I feel like throughout my whole life, I've been 
again, I've talked about this in the past where like my values have always been about financial stability and, and selecting choices like working in finance that give me that freedom of financial stability and I don't have any college debt either. So I think throughout my whole life, I've just been like spending money whenever I want to spend it. I, I, I do have like a level of frugality to me too, where it's like, I won't go out and like buy like a Gucci bag or anything like that to gift myself. Like I still wear underwear from high school. I probably shouldn't have said that, but oh my God, I do. <laughs> do you? I do. It's gross, dude. It's, it's great. And my fiance sometimes rips holes in it. So he's like, throw your underwear. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why'd you rip my underwear? Oh. TMI. Not in like a, no, not in a sexual way. Um, oh. Where are we going? I had a lot of Dayquil. Not a lot, but I didn't know D. Never mind. <laughs> Um, what I am trying to say is that I have never been so strict on my own finances because I don't think I've needed to. But this year, I am really trying to look at it and say, should I have spent on that? Did I really need that? I don't know, like chocolate bar or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Get out of here. <laughs> Let me live. Um, Let me live. And I am reassessing just like what I am spending on essentially. So especially because I have the wedding coming up and holy shit, weddings are expensive. So that is making me just feel like I need to really hone in on on what I'm spending and really just like look at it on almost like a day-to-day basis. I check my mint.com is a good place to aggregate all of your credit cards and your bank accounts, even like your 401k and your investments to see what your like net worth is. And also to just see how you're spending set goals for yourself too. So I'll set like grocery target, like don't go over this amount, shopping target, don't go over this amount. And it gives me an alert when I do go over it. That's been helpful. But I am saving up for a house too, because I think after we get married, we'll want to start trying for kids pretty soon. Um, and I don't know if I want to raise a kid in downtown LA condo. Yeah. yeah. Small square footage for, for another little human to <laughs> enter. Yeah. And we live in a loft, so we, there's no, like, no walls. I need to like shut the baby out when it's crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a good mother. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But that is a lot. Yeah. Because you're saving for a wedding and then yeah. for a home and then reevaluating like spending habits mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a big such adult things i know coffee is something that it's just Mm. like i spend yeah i spend so much money on coffee and it like makes me angry because i like it (laughs) maybe that's like the one luxury you should afford yourself Mm, like cut on everything else but like give yourself like that's the thing that's a small gift to yourself that you can kind of maintain but i don't even think coffee has like an impact on me that's that's true you yeah like caffeine doesn't have an impact i think it's more about the walking to starbucks and Mm. purchasing something that makes me feel like, interesting yeah good yeah yeah it's a habit mm-hmm. yeah 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 just come by my place and I'll <laughs> <laughs> like, pretend it's a start yeah. you know one thing I started doing because like before I moved over to my last job my company always had coffee and there's a, like, a small like, there's a few months in my new job where we didn't have a coffee maker or machine yeah. I actually bought myself a press coffee press, oh, coffee press, press, yeah. French press. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of enjoy just like you know the smell of the caffeine or the the grinded coffee beans yeah. and then making my own coffee in the morning mm. it's part of my morning routine so I kind of yeah. like that mm. but then my company just bought an espresso so now I just but like my company coffee. has an espresso machine too it's one of those where you put a packet in and it's just yeah. like it doesn't give me the same satisfaction as walking to a Starbucks and making yeah, a purchase yeah. and like waiting there as annoying as that whole process sounds yeah. but it's like something about just the habit of it yeah, yeah. that I think I need to have you been doing that breaking. since Boston yeah I mean that's why too it's been it was Dunkin Donuts in Boston and now it's Starbucks here it's probably a level of comfort because like this is really random but remember when Janet said like when she felt really lost in New York she would go to Whole Foods mm. that was her like safe space maybe yeah, Starbucks yeah. to you is like that that's your version yeah I'm thinking about maybe just ordering um from like Whole Foods the Starbucks 
the big bottles of coffee that they had, the iced oh. coffee, and maybe just like saving one of my Starbucks cups just to pretend that she's going to be her own <laughs> Starbucks in her kitchen. Yeah, in the just morning. keep washing the plastic cups and <laughs> pouring my own coffee in the morning. I'll try that. <laughs> you just see Phil walking in the kitchen like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm a barista <laughs> right now. <laughs> but there is something about making yourself own coffee in the morning. It's yeah. kind of nice. It's like, you know, you're yeah. saying earlier you are waking up earlier to make yourself breakfast. Mm-hmm. So coffee could be part of your routine that you kind of switch up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good tip. Especially because, Helen, you were saying that you are starting to kind of pay more attention to your morning routine to make yourself breakfast. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Cool. That was a long conversation on coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Next question, also around finances. What are your plans around commingling? Ooh, that word sounds interesting. Well, I did not read that word. I was like, (laughs) commingling. Commingling finances with a significant other. Should you do it or should you not? Commingling? Do you want no, to commingle your no, finances? Well? When I first read it, I was like, what does commonly mean? <laughs> commingling, like joining, joining finances. I don't know. What do you, I mean, that's a, <laughs> I'm like, that's spelled correctly too, because there's no red underline yeah, underneath it. No, it's just a weird. Google Docs is it's a word. I am so happy Janet read this question. <laughs> I'm going to butcher that word. I got you. I got you. Uh, what are your thoughts on, like, if you, with a significant other, mixing your finances together or should you keep it separate okay see i don't know about this i haven't had a partner where i had to be able to share my finances but i don't know i always thought that you know like if i were to like get married we'll have a joint account and Mm -hmm. they'll each put in a certain amount every month to that account and then would you still want your own personal account i kind of think i would because i wouldn't i I wouldn't want to feel like my husband is paying for personal things i want to buy like for myself because I feel like I'm, I would actually want to be in a financial place where I can't afford things for my family and for myself, right? Yeah. And I think that's how I would do it too, actually, where we create a joint account and then you just like contribute money into it, maybe the same amount. I don't know yet. I guess it depends on like how much we're both making. Like yeah. if one person's not working, then obviously it's different. But if we're both contributing to that account and then we use that account for like things for the home or things. But I feel like I would I would want to keep my own personal one because if I were to buy him a present, like yeah. I don't want him to see my credit card statement yeah, yeah. and he's like, oh, you got me a toothbrush or like, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So. But a romantic gift. <laughs> yeah. I have gotten him a an electric toothbrush for Valentine's Day yeah. once and he did have a weird reaction to it. He's like, uh, I love that. No, I mean, that's. I feel, I was kidding. That's actually, it's a very, like, it's thoughtful when you give people things that they need, right? Yeah. 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 I'm like, yo, breath. No, yeah. <laughs> But I got matching one. I got one for myself. Oh, too. matching toothbrushes. Yeah. Sometimes we mix it up by accident. Oh, I mean, I guess you're kissing, and so yeah, that's, that's kind of the same. Would thing. you guys? Would you use the same toothbrush as your significant other? I haven't. I wouldn't. I but wouldn't. If, but I, I think that if I had to, it'd be I okay. It's a little gross. Like yeah, I, I, yeah. I used his once, and I was just like, "Ooh, that's yours." Ew. You know, it's a feeling <laughs> of just like, "Ooh." Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Maybe deodorant. Oh, but not oh. toothbrush, mm. which is weird. I mean, people should just use the same toothbrush because electric toothbrushes are like expensive. Just change out the head. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Use yeah, yeah, the yeah. same body or the base. Yeah. yeah. Wait, a lot of families do that. Oh really? Yeah. Oh cool. A uh, life hack or yeah. I don't know yeah. hygiene hack. <laughs> would you use the same towel? I actually would. I'm more towels. Okay. Weird. I'm more yeah. leaning with towels. What if they like same. really wipe the but <laughs> I would be like, I would be like, can we designate a section of the towel where you're doing oh, that? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm gonna avoid that section. And you see the crowd like, <laughs> like a street coming <laughs> Are you commingling on this towel? I feel like you know, having a joint account and figuring out like how much you put in is something you probably have to determine when you when you have your partner. Because yeah. I actually wonder, like, what if your partner makes much more than you, or you make much more than them? Should it be a percentage? 
right, of your right. income that you oh. put in, 50, 50 or like, yeah, yeah, because I feel like it should be kind of more fair. Right? Yeah, I mean, do whatever works for you and your partner. Yeah, I mean, if it's like you're not making any money, but and you are like building towards something that might make a lot of money in the future, like maybe he'll just start paying for things first, and then in the future you start doing it. You know, I think it depends. It totally works for yeah. Yeah. Give and take. Yeah, yeah, figure out what works for you too. Next set of questions here, we are going into style. Where do you guys shop? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Love all your styles, but trying to work with a budget. And what are your favorite clothing brands? I feel like I'm in this in-between state where I'm trying to buy things that are cheap, but also sustainable. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard to do that because sustainable clothing and fabrics are more expensive. But with that said... I do shop at ASOS. I do like Topshop. And Zara is something that I do like to check on their website and go to. Yeah, those are three shops I always like online. I'm always checking those sites. I do check Revolve. It's a little bit more expensive. But then for special occasions, I will look at Revolve. I've been looking at Reformation lately too. I think their fabrics are sustainable. But they're really pricey. Mm -hmm. I actually bought my dress for off the mic from Reformation. But I got it on sale or it was cheaper. It was like under $100. But their stuff goes up to $400. Oof. I know. It's expensive, ladies, for sure. But I mean, you feel a little bit better by shopping there because you know you're doing something good. But yeah, budget-wise, if you're on a budget, I would actually look into ASOS because they're they're constantly having sales. Their stuff is up to 60% off like once mm. a month. I would say those are my two, Mel, that you just mentioned, Zara and ASOS more recently because mm. I've heard through you ladies. I actually don't shop very often. I will do it in periods during the year when I have to kind of like change up my wardrobe a bit. But I have pieces that I've owned for like 10 years and I still wear and I don't remember where they're from. And I used to go to H&M quite a bit, but now I think the quality isn't really that great and Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of designed to be more throwaway. Like, you know, it doesn't last very long. I just haven't been shopping as much. I feel like, Mm -hmm. and my general style preference tends to be more like simple and like minimal. So Zara, ASOS, and then Madewell for jeans occasionally. They have pretty good fit. Yeah, how about you, Helen? I actually, it's funny because I like shop exactly the same places (laughs) as you ladies. And I, this is a good question because I did not not know that we shopped at the same place like asos zara revolve for like a special occasion or something like that i used to shop at like h&m express yeah. forever 21 a lot but i don't even find myself going into those stores mm-hmm. anymore and ideally if i didn't have a budget i'd be at theory all saints Club. Yeah. oh for sure but i have been buying stuff from a brand called aqua mm. and they have like really nice dresses also for special occasions and also just like nice not not too expensive. It kind of feels Zara-y like, but at Bloomingdale's they have the Aqua brand, and I also got a pair of shoes from Aqua. So I didn't realize I was buying specifically from this brand, but I have like four or five pieces from them now. I'm just like, oh, what is this brand? Yeah, I think one thing I do a lot when I'm on Instagram, I just literally like kind of follow some influencers, and I, I like to see where they tag their clothing. Mm. But a lot of the clothes they tag, they're super expensive though. So mm. I'm trying to figure out like ways to like maybe if it's on sale, I'll buy it. But depends on you know your style and your budget. So those are our i guess like the stores that we all shop at pretty similar the next question is what eyelash glue do you use i want to get into falsies but worried the glue will dry my lash line this is mel's question yeah 100 <laughs> percent. all right so i've been <laughs> the glue i always end up using is duo you can find this almost anywhere from walmart target even amazon i love it so much because it has a wand so for me the wand is really helpful because i think application of your eyelash is really important so when I use a tube, I feel like I either squeeze too much glue or not enough and it get really clumpy. 
But the wand is really great because you go in on the little like spots that are dry and kind of fix it up. So for me, I've been using Duo, so you can get that at Target. It's only less than $7. That's the one I used to. It dries clear, which I like. Yeah. Our next set of questions are kind of a compilation of all different types of topics. So we've categorized it as random. The first one in that category, what are your boba orders? Oh, mm. love boba. My go-to order, actually I've been getting like matcha. I think, Janet, you've been yeah, getting matcha, matcha a lot kick. too. I like matcha. Actually, sometimes when I get coffee now, I'm trying to replace coffee with matcha. Um, And I think that's because I heard it from Janet and I was like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Um, But normally I would get a jasmine green milk tea, large, with less ice and maybe 30% to 50% sugar. And then when I'm at Boba Mofo, which is my fiance's boba shop, I'll ask for eight bobas just to like mess with them. (laughs) Oh my God, complicated (laughs) order. Can I have 8.37 boba, please? And they, they actually do measure it out, too, so it's kind of fun. Aw. I must hate you. <laughs> they, they love it. They're I'm like, just kidding. Helen. Okay. They're like, did it, did it, was it eight? Did you count it? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you guys got it right. <laughs> How about Miss Mel? What's your boba order? So here's the thing. I don't think people know this, but I'm not a huge boba fan. Mm. I think maybe because growing up, I had boba a lot. And mm. people assume just because I'm Asian, I love boba. But honestly, I'm okay. I kind of prefer coffee. Mm. But I do enjoy boba from time to time. So growing up, my favorite order of all time was passion fruit slushy or passion fruit snow. Mm. With, so you like with, the fruity. Yeah, yeah. with boba. But I do say on a very hot day, if I'm at a near like a boba shop, I love like a peach green tea with boba or without. It's just so refreshing. And ever since Phil and our friend Eric opened up Boba Mofo Cafe, I feel like I'm kind of getting back into the boba hype a little bit. And because their drinks are so good. Yeah. What's your favorite one from there? Crap. That's really hard because I actually love their drinks. What would you order right now? Right now. I think. Hello, Melody. What would you like for your order today? (laughs) Honestly, their jasmine milk tea is super good because the jasmine's so fragrant and light. I would get that with boba. I also really love their carrot matcha. Oh, yeah. Man. That's mine, yeah. I was actually going to say, Mel, you order their coffee one quite a bit too, right? Yeah, coffee milk tea is pretty easy. Like, I am a true believer and fan of their drinks. I'm not just saying this because they're my <laughs> friends. But also, as not as a boba lover, I do enjoy yeah. their beverages. Mm. I'd say for me, similar to Mel, I went through a huge boba craze phase in um, like junior high, high school. So I you know, grew up in Orange County, but my dad every weekend would drive up to Roland Heights. So we would have like dim sum or dinner with family for like five to six years, it was known he's like, we're going to go get boba because I would always ask for it. So it was the traditional, like the milk tea with boba. And I kind of burnt out on that. So then I kind of got over that. And then during um, college, was more leaning towards like the lighter green tea mm-hmm. type flavors. And then now I would, yeah, like boba mofo, my favorite drink of theirs is the carrot matcha boba. So those would be our orders. I feel like that's the only boba shop you go to because we yeah. all mentioned <laughs> the cafe. This is not a plug. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so the next random question we have here. Do you guys have any pets? It could be a non-animal form. It could be like a hairball or something. I don't know. I see. I, I was going to say you both have plants. <laughs> oh, that's a good... I didn't think about that. As I'm looking at uh, my dying plants in the corner. Your plants are actually thriving. Did you cut off the dead parts? I took off some of the dead leaves in that corner, but... You see the the sad one in the by the window is oh yeah is, oh my gosh <laughs> needs CPR no but I do think plants are a type of pets because whenever Helen and her fiance are out of town Janet's always going over to make sure that, you know they're well fed and watered <laughs> yeah actually he's very like concerned about our plants he is like if we're out for four days he'll be like Janet can you please come over yeah. and water our plants I'm like dude it's gonna be fine he's like you could come on Wednesday but really I think Tuesday because like two or three days might be a little too long I was like don't worry it's okay. <laughs> 
I feel like it's insight into like how he's going to be taking care As of our a father. Kids. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was like, good. Oh. I do have a pet though. Not at home in LA, but at home in Boston, I have a pet turtle. Oh, oh you get so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still I've alive. Had, it's crazy. I've had it since like, so my, in eighth grade, my boyfriend at the time gave me one of those like turtles that you find at like a Chinese New Year festival or something like that, right? The really small ones. And usually they last for like a week, I would say. Really sad, actually. Aww. But mine has still, it's still thriving. It's pretty big now. It's kind of crazy. How big is it? Bigger than my fist, I would say. Mm-hmm. Wait, how many years has it been? Right now. Since eighth grade. So what, how old was I? What, 13? Is that 13? I don't know. So yeah. 20 years? So like a 20 Almost year 20 old years turtle. Yet. Yeah. Oh my God. And its name is Dummy because <laughs> when it was small, it would always like flip over and not know how to like oh, flip back over. So there'd always be this like loud ruckus where its tank is and I'd always go over and like help it flip itself over but it'd like stretch its neck out and like be like trying to stretch out one arm and flip itself over but it couldn't do it. So its name is dummy well now if you maybe don't have a pet but if you did what would you what would your pet oh, be your question oh crap so if you like, have like a chinchilla hell no <laughs> i would not want any like rodent type of animals <laughs> at all um honestly i probably would want a dog oh what kind of dog i've always had a fantasy of a golden retriever mm. because oh, i like think a big dog big friendly family well, dog. i just like i think the golden puppies are just so adorable and they just seem very loyal and sweet and very affectionate as i was really excited when we went to boston because helen's sister annie has a golden retriever kobe and has like, the sweetest sweetest face but at the same time like i can't take care of a dog like i don't have time for one it's a lot of commitment yeah, yeah. i don't want to neglect it so i wouldn't i probably wouldn't how about you I had a period last year where I pretty seriously considered like getting a cat for the same reason it's like I don't think I have a lot of time and I feel like cats are more independent. So if I were to have a pet, I think it would be a cat and I would adopt it from a shelter and I would go for a black cat because they tend to be abandoned a lot because people perceive them as like bad luck. And I would name the cat Nori, like sea seed. (laughs) I've thought a lot about this. So yeah. Oh my gosh, Janet, you are turning into a cat lady. (laughs) How about Helen? If you had a pet right now with you in L.A., I, I would also, I think, want a puppy, but I just know that I can't, I can barely take care of myself. So I would, like Mel, I wouldn't want to neglect mm, it. Yeah. But if you could, do you have if like I a... Could, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a puppy. I don't know what kind of dog. I don't a know. A halty poo? Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I don't really know my dog breeds. <laughs> so my aunt, she had a couple of dogs and just watching my cousins grow up with a dog. Mm. It's just really sweet to see the relationship with a child and a dog. Yeah. Like my little cousins have a dog, the little like white dog yeah. they like play with it and like post instagram stories with it oh. and they like really really love it's like their little baby yeah oh, that's true it teaches children how to interact with like other living things mm-hmm. how to take care express love and how affection. To empathize with them yeah. yeah so our next question is how do challenges in life change from your 20s to 30s ladies i'm still in my 20s so i can't really answer this one <laughs> i feel like in your 20s you are constantly trying to find yourself whether it's through career or just like even like friendship, people you want to surround yourself with. Um, and I think in your 20s, you're also very like unsettled. Like you want to travel, you want to find yourself. And then in your 30s, or at least in my 30s, I'm struggling more with the stability and figuring out what is exactly my place in life, almost like my foundation, so that I can just build on that foundation. And I know like in my 20s, that was my thought too but I think my values have since shifted and I'm much more aware of who I want to be so now it's more about stability less about like traveling and exploring the world even though I still want to do that but it's more about building on something for myself and also like the pressure for for babies and marriage and things like that 
that's why I find challenging in the 30s. I would echo, Helen, almost exactly in terms of the general themes of your 20s versus your 30s. 20s, they, most people say it's like a time of exploring, right? So it's a lot of external things, I feel like, and understanding your relationship with the external world. And a lot of your 30s comes down to understanding yourself better and about building. And I think also like from my particular personality, even though I knew like the 20s, like you should be exploring, you should be doing all these things. I don't really like not having stable ground. And so I found that period actually really challenging versus like I would talk to people and they're like, oh, this is the time to like live it up and try all these things. And I'm like, I don't see it that way. I kind of want to figure out like where I should land and kind of start building. Each decade has its own time and its own focus and trying to learn to just embrace wherever I am. Sounded a little bit like a homework card, but you know. Embrace where you are. (laughs) The next question, what are y'all's morning routines? What habits are you glad you picked up on? Well, I feel like my morning routine has slightly shifted with the new year. So I actually wake up at 8.45 a.m. because I don't have to get in the office by 10 or 10.30. I pretty much wake up, maybe snooze for like eight minutes, and then I get up, then I check my phone. I shouldn't be doing that. I check my phone. And I actually turn on, oh, sorry, I, I put on Headspace. So I'm trying to start the morning with just like a five-minute meditation. You wake up and then you go back to sleep? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yes, I wake up and I just like kind of lie in bed for eight minutes and then I turn on Headspace for a five-minute meditation and then I get my ass up and I brush my teeth. Wow. I brush my teeth. (laughs) Applause. Brush my teeth. Sometimes I put on either music or I put on a podcast. I make half my bed while I brush my teeth and then I finish brushing my teeth and I finish making my bed. I have to make my bed every morning or else I feel like I'm not complete. And then, yeah, I just get ready and... One thing I do enjoy about this new year is that I've been kind of like eating a small breakfast before I head out. So I have like a boiled egg and maybe like a green smoothie. And then I pretty much head out for the day. Hmm. How about you guys? Pretty similar. I definitely brush my teeth too. I think I set like five alarms every night and I snooze for like half an hour. It's pretty bad. I'm a very deep sleeper. Yeah, she is. Yikes. <laughs> I have been trying to sleep earlier, though, like around like 12, 1230, which to some people might seem really late. But since like middle school, I've been up till three, sometimes 330 mm. in the morning. So now I'm getting like eight hours of sleep per night, which is oh, that's crazy oh, that's to me. Good. That's a lot of freaking sleep. But it is nice. So I snooze a lot in the morning. And then usually I get up when my fiance like punches me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He doesn't punch me. But he like nudges me. And I'm like, oh, time to wake up. And then I get up. Uh, I pee and then I will brush my teeth and I'll turn on NPRs up first so I can hear the morning news and just get like a 10 minute clip of what's going on in the world. And then I will do my makeup in the morning and then go back. I definitely make my side of the bed all the time. And that was something I heard from like, uh, I think like how I built this compilation of like, what do successful people do in the morning? It's that they always make their bed so that they feel like they're ready for the day. Like you said, Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're complete until you do that. So I've been doing that and I completely just feel the same way. Like every time I go back to my bed, I'm like, oh, it's ready for me to like sleep in. So just a mess. And then now in the morning, I've also been making breakfast. So Instead of like, I used to do boiled eggs, like boil a bunch of eggs and just leave it in the fridge and just like crack it open, eat it over the sink and just like leave. But now I've been cooking the eggs and I've been doing a lot of like one to two eggs cracked in reinforced with like extra egg whites from the carton. So it's like a extra white egg. <laughs> Is it a scramble or an omelet? It's a scramble. It's a scramble. Uh, sometimes it depends. It depends on how good I can make it. But it's supposed to be an omelet. And then I add spinach to it. And then um, sometimes I'll turn it into like a wrap. And I'll sit in the sunlight and journal in the morning is what I've been trying to do to set like intentions for the day and also what I was grateful for the day before. So I've been doing that. That's my routine. 
It's been working well. For me, so I am not currently working right now. And I would say similar to Helen, my natural tendency is to be a night owl. So with no parameters, I will generally buy just nature want to stay up until like 2 a.m., sometimes like 4 or 5 a.m. when it's really bad. Or when I have been sleeping, I will like sleep for a couple hours and I wake up really early. But generally, now when I actually start my day, because I started uh, in at the end of 2019, going into 2020, doing a more regular meditation routine, I'll get up and go sit on my couch and do a 20-minute meditation. And then I also, when I always, I don't know, is it normal that everyone just like pees in the morning? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's not natural. So I go to the bathroom, I pee. And the podcast that I listen to, I love Robin Hood. They're, it's kind of like financial news for the day and usually very short, like 10, 15 minutes. I haven't been doing it as regularly because I'm not driving anywhere to go. But generally when I'm working, that's like one of the first things I put in um, when I'm pulling out of the garage. But nowadays, since I don't really have a lot of structure, sometimes I will just do the meditation and then go back to bed. And uh, my because my sleeping schedule is all over the place, my eating is also like when I'm up really late, sometimes I'll have my last meal like super early in the morning, like around one or two. And then so when I wake up, I'm not really hungry until about lunchtime or like after lunch. So yeah, I'm probably not a very good example of a morning routine. It's more of a <laughs> midday afternoon routine. But you know, to each their own. So. And you're also in this period of time where you had just quit you quit your job like less than a month ago so you're trying to figure out a routine for yourself and that's totally okay yeah instead of working during the day I've been um like if I did an update on the portfolio or working on stuff for ABG it happens like really late at night so (laughs) and we see the emails and when we wake up in the morning I'm like oh damn Jenna was up late Updating our uh, downloads, but hey, we appreciate it. All right, so our last question for this episode is directed towards Helen. And the question is, how is the wedding planning going? Oh, man. My don't favorite question. Her out. Don't stress her out. I, know, I don't know why <laughs> this question January. is like, oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> I like how Janet goes, don't stress her out. And I'm like, I love this question. <laughs> so we got engaged like two months ago now. Holy crap. And I feel like we haven't done anything. Um, I, I guess we have gone wedding dress shopping mm-hmm. with you ladies. And I've also been wedding dress shopping back home in Boston with my sister and my mom. And I have an idea of what I want for that. So that's kind of nice. Don't have a dress yet. And the venue has been really difficult for me to like lock down because we don't want to spend so much money on a wedding. Like I think... When I was younger, I always thought that I would imagine this like fairy tale wedding and would be very excited when this day came mm-hmm. or this engagement process came. I'd be like invested in it, but I'm kind of not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that's like, you're planning a year in advance for one day and then spending all of this money on this one day. And a lot of it is for external validation too, I feel like. And people are like, no, you should do what you want for yourself. And it's like, sure, but I don't know. I, I can envision what I want and I know it'll take a lot of effort to get there. And... Half of it is for myself and half of it is for the external validation, if I'm being honest. Mm. And so that part of me just like, especially after going through like therapy and like knowing that like I don't want the perfectionism life. I don't want the exter- mm. so much external validation. It's like, why am I doing all of this for that? So we are looking into wedding planners so that they can, you know, sort of get me to that day without me putting in so much effort to yeah. get to that day. I mean, I'm excited for it. It's just like, it is a lot of work. It's like another thing on your to-do list, yeah. right? And our to-do lists are already so full that if you had to add this additional thing to it. And it's yeah. ongoing oh. for a year. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many details that you have to focus on. Yeah. I think it's to your point, like the real or like when you're younger, you think about the enjoyment of the celebration, but then when it comes to doing it, you're like, no, actually, then who's going to do it? I have to do yeah. it and make yeah. all this happen. Yeah. There's a huge long process to it. Uh, and the wedding industry is so vast that it's there's so much to, to think about, but I'm sure it'll be fine. 
We're, we'll get a wedding planner and we'll figure it out. We're trying to get married before the end of the year. 11, 11 months? months left. 11 and a half. Oh my God. Oh, I forgot we're in 2020 already for a second. Yep. Yeah. wraps up today's episode for a Q&A part two. If you guys have any additional questions for us, we love reading them. Go ahead and email us at asianbossgirl at gmail.com or you can DM us. We are on Instagram and Facebook, all of the other social platforms. And if you like this episode and you also enjoy our podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you guys could leave us a rating on iTunes. We actually read them every single day to see how you guys are enjoying the podcast. We're also on Spotify, so hit that subscribe button and we will just pop up in your feed. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.